Well, my mum passed when I was eight years old. I very much was, you know, had my hair cut short, you know, like a little bob. It was more so for ease, you know? We knew how to wash short hair. We knew how to like put it in a ponytail and that's as far as I went. I would go to my grandma's kitchen literally every weekend and just come up with like loads of different hair oil concoctions. We eventually landed upon um, an oil formula of eight um, natural oils and this just worked. And it was a little secret formula that I was just sitting on my whole life. I was like, let me introduce this product because it works for me and let me share the secret with all of these people. And um, they love the secret. <laughs> and I don't know whether it was because I was a new business, I was a woman, I was South Asian. He just did not take me seriously. Having that understanding that just because you're not posting your failures, it doesn't mean that you're failureless. My guest today is a social media influencer and founder of hair care brand by Erem. By the name of the brand, you probably will have guessed. My my guest today is Erem Kaur. How are you doing? Hello. Firstly, thank you for having me on here. I'm so honoured and I'm so excited. No worries. I appreciate you giving up your time. I know you've got a very busy schedule. Um, you see it on Instagram this morning <laughs> yeah yeah i did i did i was actually I was like, looking because we we uh scheduled this for four and then i was like um and then it changed to five but i was still on your calendar at four so i, um, I quickly messaged back and i was like is it four or is it five i don't know which one's which <laughs> <laughs> we made it we made it um the way i start every single podcast is basically by taking a trip down memory lane so what was young erin like as a as a kid what was your upbringing like um yeah Okay, so Erin as a person was very shy. I literally would hide underneath my mum's linga skirt, which is like a traditional South Asian dress at weddings. I was like, I don't want anyone to talk to me. I used to literally be everywhere with a book. Like it was, I was just very, very shy. And my best friends, um, we've been best friends since we were four. We were the exact same. So we were just enablers for each other, just not associating with anyone. <laughs> definitely came into my own when I got a bit older and relating to my story with my oil my mum passed when I was eight years old so as I kind of grew up in a household of just men you know my brother and my dad why have you said that I very much was you know had my hair cut short you know like a little bob didn't suit me my face is way too round for that hairstyle don't know what the hairdresser was thinking but I think it was more so for ease you know we knew how to wash short hair we knew how to like put it in a ponytail and that's as far as I went as I grow older and as I started to get more into you know I think this is an archaic idea to some of the people maybe listening but like magazines um I started to kind of like get more to grips with the concepts of like female beauty and I fell in love with hair and I think it's because my mom had really long hair so I was just like that's the define that's the definition of beauty I'm sure you know a lot of people can relate like what they think is beautiful might have been what their mom had or has so I would go to my daddy, which means my grandma's kitchen, literally every weekend since I was, I'd say, 10, maybe maybe a bit younger, and just come up with like loads of different hair oil concoctions. We did some really weird and wacky ones. We did egg, we did like um, gram flour and some of them, like it was really weird. We eventually landed upon um, an oil formula of eight um, natural oils, and this just worked. And it was a little secret formula that I was just sitting on my whole life and then as I got to I think I started being an influencer after uni so I would say maybe when I was 22 years old um you know I had maybe like 
five, 10K or something like that. And it started to grow it's at over 200 now. Um, I realized that my followers might also be someone who didn't have a mom, but they might also be in a position where they didn't have a daddy. So I was like, let me introduce this product because it works for me. And let me share the secret with all of these people. And um, they love the secret. <laughs> yeah, evidently so. Um, we'll get on to buy Erem and, and the product itself uh, in a little bit. Um, but when you were growing up, obviously you've been really public about losing your mum at a young age and all that, and 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 how it shaped your uh, sort of journey. Um, I'm guessing obviously it would it would have been really hard. But other than the the buy Erem story, uh, which obviously, like as I say, is like you've talked about previously, what other sort of uh, impacts do you think it had on you growing up, like in a, a, a in a male dominated environment? I think there's little things that people don't realize that you don't learn about. And it's like how to be a woman in certain social environments, because at weddings, like I'd sit on the men's side of the Godwara, you know, normally the women sit on one side, but I didn't, I didn't have anyone to sit with on the women's side. So I sit with my dad, even like going abroad and like the way my dad would talk to waiters. Like I wasn't aware that like a young girl couldn't speak to waiters and be like, you know, like, you know, like loud and stuff. And of course they can, but it, it was a bit confusing to me because I didn't necessarily have a role model in terms of those little, the smaller moments or intricacies of social interaction. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense to be fair. Like um, the more, the more people who know, especially at that age, when you were a kid, like it probably will be easier for them to accommodate. Um, Not just the sort of alpha dominated environment, environment in that sense, but um also do you think you gained anything from maybe being around like your dad and and your brother so much like I'm, I imagine as we're going to touch on a, a bit later on in a business environment it's probably um you've probably picked up a few of the intricacies that have probably helped yeah so I actually um my dad was a really good mum and dad. You know how they say like single parents often adopt like the mum is the dad and the mum. In my dad's case, he was the dad and the mum. So I was, I am to this day, and I'm very, very lucky that out of all the dads in the world, I got my one. Um, what he wasn't able to provide me or to, to inform me about, he tried his very best or he would outsource it. So, you know, like his personal trainer's wife, like I didn't even have aunties for a very long time until until that kind of came along. So it was it was kind of difficult um but yeah I think I think he is very much one of those people who's like sink or swim and again I know I keep relating things to Bayaram but when I started Bayaram he was like I'm not helping you because everyone's going to think that I done it for you so you're going to have to do it on your own and luckily sis can swim so it was okay yeah. um but that really is his mentality it's not like a gently gently you know I think that's a that's refreshing though like obviously a lot of um Indian parents are like that uh but nowadays it's becoming less and less and then when people get hit with reality sometimes it can uh it can like make or break them do you know what yes. I mean and obviously yeah, in, especially in... at uni like when I went to uni mm-hmm. and I saw some of the girls and I was like why are you behaving like this like <laughs> I was so confused because I'd never been around South Asian people before because I grew up in a very like multicultural environment but not skewing towards South Asian it was like kind of everything else so I was like who are these people? How do they know they're getting hit with a chapel is a normal thing? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, talking about going to union stuff, you, you've always been like uh, quite academically gifted, I've heard in like other uh, podcasts and things that you've said. Um, and did you study in America as well? Yeah, yeah. So I did um, 
I've got family in America. So when I was picking my unis, for some reason, University of Manchester was at the bottom of my list. The day I went there, as I'm sure you can imagine, it was very grey, very rainy. And yeah. I was like, Dad, I don't want to go here. It's disgusting. <laughs> then one of my cousins went there and he literally, all he had to do was say, come Manchester. And then I was like, okay, Dad, I'm going Manchester. And then I turned <laughs> up and it was a four-year degree. So I did international management with American business studies. So it was two years one year abroad where I was studying um, at Emory University. And then I came back and I did my final year. Where's, where's that? Uh, em- Emory, did Atlanta? you say? Oh, okay, mm. I love that. I've heard, um, uh, I've seen one of your YouTube videos as well. I did, I did my research before before starting oh, this. Good, uh, so, uh, <laughs> um, and you were saying that like one of the be- best lessons, you've been quite vocal about how university hasn't really prepped you for being an entrepreneur and and and, and business. I've done my research. I've done my research. You know, it's so good because some people come with the call, they're like, is it Erim or Erin? <laughs> is there a typo? And I'm like, sis, go home. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to waste anybody's time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not going to waste anybody's time. I do my research. But one of the things <laughs> that you mentioned was that one of the only useful lessons from your university time was the negotiating yeah yeah do you want to talk about that (laughs) we had I had an amazing teacher she was a woman of color she was very very young I really like related to her and one of the things and I have spoken about this before so tell me if you don't want me to repeat it but we did a task in the class do you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah just repeat it yeah yeah repeat it it's a good story (laughs) it's a good story exactly I want it on my podcast it's a good story (laughs) basically I think um I really hated the girl I was partnered up with and the teacher would give us scenarios. So one of us would be like the supplier, one of us would be the buyer or whatever. And I just really didn't like this girl. And I was so fixated on her getting the lowest amount or the lowest like benefit that I didn't focus on giving myself the highest benefit, even if that meant that she got higher. And I remember out of all the people in the class, she did the worst, but I only did average because the teacher like plotted us on the chart, like the next lesson to see and reflect. After that, I realized, like, don't care, like, putting other, like, person, like, less. Just focus on putting yourself highest. And if you can collaborate in negotiation to kind of what she would call it as widen the pie. So instead of, like, arguing, okay, I'll have five apples. Okay, I'll buy five apples. You can talk about, okay, I'll have five apples, but throw in a couple of carrots. Okay, but can you do speedy delivery? Okay, but can you make sure they're super, super fresh? Or I don't mind, I'll take the moldy ones. I need them today. Um, Expanding that pie so there's different ways that different people can benefit. Um, has helped me honestly infinitely not just in business but in life so it was a very very valuable and necessary lesson I think for me to learn yeah I think uh, that like sort of attitude has probably changed over the years especially with the like introduction of the internet like way back in the day there was only a set amount of resources for people in the wider public I'm not obviously talking about uh, this negotiation um, sort of uh, task that you did but like when when the internet came around it's like well, there's not only if if you're a musician, there's not one record label who you're fighting for. You can just upload your music to YouTube or SoundCloud, and there's enough like to go around. Um, and I think that attitude is slowly, slowly changing. Um, I think maybe our community is probably at the the end of that list, but uh, <laughs> changing. But it's getting there. It is getting there. That's a good example, definitely. Yeah. Um. And so, because you're academically gifted, and you said that you did like quite well a a union thing. I think you got a, a first. Um. Yeah why switch to becoming an entrepreneur? I'm, I'm unhirable. 
I don't know what happened when I graduated. I thought I was Billy Brig Bollocks, and I was like, yes, I don't need to apply for these grad schemes. They'll take me. Da, da, da. <laughs> I was wrong. I got very quickly humbled. Yeah. I was unemployed for eight months, and I I've been working at nightclubs since I was eighteen years old. I didn't think I'd be a graduate with like a first class degree from like a red brick uni working at a club. And not to say that that was something that was below me because you have to be very very smart to work in a club, but it was something that I, I picture myself like in an office in a in a really structured environment and that's not what I had but I have to say I think the environment that I ended up in like at the clubs continuously like that really really shaped me in terms of knowing how to communicate with different types of people negotiating so I don't think my time at the club was done until like I, I think it was like a year after I graduated and then I really came into my own. I managed to actually get one of those jobs but had I not gone through that with the clubs and stuff I don't think I would have been um, as horrible as I as I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent agree. Like I, I've said on previous podcasts as well. Like we have shops up in Newcastle, and um, that sort of quality to be able to speak to like a diverse amount of people. If you can talk to everybody, then um, then it, it, it's it's a really good skill to have. Um, I agree with you. Very underrated as well because a lot of people don't develop it. They kind of grow up in a little bubble where it's just them and their homework, and they're just sat there and the people that they know every day. But it's like when you're in the big bad world and you do need to go and meet these people, do you have the confidence to stand in front of that person, introduce yourself, negotiate with them, and all the rest? Exactly, especially now with like smartphones and stuff. When I was going to work mm. experience and things, they would constantly compare me to other kids uh, mm. who were going to work experience and be like, you can speak to people a lot better than other kids. And I think probably becoming coming from the shop background that's probably why mm. I'm not just like stuck on my phone and only having virtual interactions I'm, I'm Definitely. actually and I think being virtual. a young kid with a job as I can imagine how old are you when you started working um like 13 12 yeah like you develop social skills I was 14 yeah. like you develop them young you yeah, know yeah. that's ingrained in you and you can exactly. even see in your podcast you're very very easy to talk to Thank you very much, thank you. Um, exactly, yeah, I'm, I'm blushing, I'm blushing. Um, <laughs> and then we get to starting Erem. But before we you started Erem, I assume that you had a, a good amount of social followers, like as you alluded to previously. So before like uh, the concept came, um, how like how how active were you on social media and how many followers yeah. did you have? I think, so my, my page, Touch Red Wireless, it grew very, very quickly. Um, so I think I had like, one year was 10k the next year was 100k or 50k then it was 100k something like that right mm. um I had I believe like 150k when I launched by RM right quite a lot yeah. yeah yeah that is quite a bit to be fair and especially like um as it's like naturally grown as well which is yeah that's a different topic in itself yeah I was about <laughs> to say <laughs> that's a different topic in itself we'll talk about that if you want to <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I, I know plenty of pages that uh, uh boosted um boosted to the eyeballs but um obviously you launched when you were at 150k but um you've you've mentioned before that like it took you quite a while to from concept to launch like it, it wasn't just like, then you just wake up and you're like oh yeah I'm, I'm gonna launch this product now there's obviously branding there's manufacturing there's getting the the actual ingredients right and um and everything so how long did that take so like this is the thing right like I had a lot of people in my life being like oh just do like do a desi style like just bung it all together in a bucket and chuck it all into little bottles and I was like no because that's <laughs> not safe right that's not safe I'm not going to have someone turn around and like sue me because half of it was essential oil because you're only allowed to have one percent like I was like no I'm going to do this properly and doing it properly 
as a young girl who sounds very young on the phone. I don't know why my phone voice sounds like a 12-year-old, but for some reason it does. No one takes you seriously. Because your minimum order quantity, their minimum order quantity is never met. Like you can never do, you can never afford the initial amount of orders. And especially someone like me, funnily enough, I very averse to risk. My dad is very much like, okay, like let's spend a million pounds on it. Do you know what I mean? I'm very <laughs> much like, I'll give you one P and then I'll pay that to you. And it, no, do you know what I mean? So I've changed now, but at that time, I was very risk averse. And having these people kind of in my ear saying to me, I'll just do it this style, I think I would have brought it to market quicker. But I don't think that there was a particular demand, not demand necessarily, but like a hype or a desperation for the product. So I took my time and I did it right. And I think that's what's super important because you get a lot of these like um, cowboy little hair oil. And I say that in inverted commas because they're making it in their kitchen. They're, they're doing exactly what I was advised to do because it's cheaper, because it's like somewhat easier, but is it scalable? Is it safe? Is it legit? Is it adhering to trading standards? Have they had it lab tested? No. Yeah, I can imagine in that industry as well, the hair care industry seems like a very complicated sort of environment. I had um, Rabina Kaur on a few podcasts ago. She, she's an author of uh, the Happy the Hati books. I love her. Yeah. Um, so, and she was talking about how long it took her to go through all the process of setting up a book in a children's book in the standards and having it off cardboard so the kids don't like. I love when northern people mush. say book, book. Oh, no, my friend used to say that. I'm going to have a book at my book. <laughs> There's my accent getting uh, ridiculed by southerners again. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so, when, when you're doing all this, uh, you said you've already, like, did you already have the like a concoction made beforehand with your your daddy yeah but you know what it is mm -hmm. what daddies are like they're like okay this much and this much and this much like you're like wait pause how many milliliters was that do you know what i mean yeah so we had to um oh damn it what's that word when you put it from quantity to an actual number is it numericize or quantify quantify okay we had to quantify it which was a very long process and it took us a lot of redos by the lab because i was like no i can feel it it's different like so we needed to edit it and honestly it came down to the 0.3 percent of particular oils and that's why i'm just like listen i'm very transparent all of my ingredients are listed online very very clearly but you're just never gonna get that exact formula and having it off by 1%, 2%, even in my opinion, 0.3%, like it's just not going to be the same. Well, I didn't know it was that, that much. Like I like cooking, but I never measure anything when I'm cooking. Do you know what I mean? Like I hate it. Oh, exactly. Well, there's that as well. But even when you're at school doing food and things and like you have to write everything down and measure it and all this, I'm just like, nah, like I know if I chuck these things together, they're going to taste nice. I don't think I would have the patience to uh, go through 0 0.003 uh, <laughs> percent is is crazy um and i've got the, the the a statement from like your website it's basically it's all natural unisex vegan friendly cruelty free, -free. luxury <laughs> hair oil designed to help you reach your optimal hair and hair health and beauty so when i see vegan friendly all natural cruelty free these are obviously good things because nowadays it is very good to be like a moral company um but because you're like publicizing this that indicates to me that other people don't do them things yeah you know with oils it's hard not to be vegan friendly i think um because they're kind of you know fruit derived or from a yeah. plant and stuff like that but it is you know if, if it matters to someone you should talk about it 
you know um it's very difficult for instance in shampoo to keep it cruelty free because you've got certain ingredients like hydrolyzed silk which come from a silkworm you've got things like honey a lot of people use and it's very difficult at that point because it's really about like how educated you are when it comes to like what products are animal derived and that's not necessarily a very intuitive thing especially um in 2021 like the vegan movement is very very strong but i don't think it's strong enough for me to fully know the ins and outs of the origins of every single ingredient Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people don't know that either so i think it's important not only as a point of education but as a point of marketing to include that it's vegan friendly cruelty free yeah definitely um i'm not going to speak on it because i don't know i'm just going to avoid that topic completely (laughs) but like as i said when i read it it seemed like if if you if people are marketing it specifically like that it, it does these things and it might indicate that that's like a, a competitive advantage that other people don't um you, you obviously are very transparent you've already said that about your eight ingredients and they are all natural they're on the website to uh, to look at a, a few of them i recognize as like quite traditional ingredients as well as like thales and stuff that you use when you're growing up um mm. So it, I, I had this conversation uh, recently as well. It's, it's very funny how like the Western world is now catching up to traditional oh, Eastern things. Big time. Who was it? I saw Kourtney Kardashian talking about Amla. And I was right. like, what has the world come to? Where are yeah. we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's like turmeric. Uh, you hear turmeric yes. so good for your health. And you're like, I've been having Haldi and my dad since I was like five years old. You know what I mean? Good example. Yeah, exactly. Literally, literally. And I think like the concept of Ayurveda is, is hopefully not trending in the sense that the trend will die in the Western community because I think it's important. But we have Ayurvedic oils in our hair oil. And that's another point of difference. But like the the, the Western world is catching up. And as they should, you know, like Indians got good hair. Copy us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not even like little things like that. It's like toothpaste as well. Um, I'm a proper history nerd. Okay, so I I love doing like history at school and things. And Winston Churchill, when the British Raj and all that went over there, they tried to civilize all the Indians because he was saying that they were we were ravages uh, when he went over to India. Yeah, exactly. Um, or savages. Sorry. And um, I think we used basically coal to brush our teeth, so something like derived from coal. Um, and obviously when you're brushing your teeth with something that looks black, their assumption back in them days was you're just making it dirtier. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And now, fast forward, yeah. yeah, 60, 70 years or something, I've seen charcoal toothpaste in Tesco the other day, and it's a yeah. manga. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's not cheap either. <laughs> it's expensive. We were doing this 100 years ago before you interrupted <laughs> us. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not fun. Um, and the, the other... The other key thing that as a as a lad, uh, when I see your um, uh, hair oil, it is for men as well. It's not it's not yeah. just for women. Yeah. And so a lot of people like they do testing hair oil on hair. Therefore, you do not have proof that it works on the beard. Like mine has been beard tested as well. You know, a lot of these people just like to be out here like you can use it on your eyebrows and your eyelashes. Have you tested it for your eyelashes? Because that is a completely different process. And I can guarantee your hair oil is not going to be approved to be used on your lashes as well. So it is able to be used for beards. And the beautiful thing about it is it's been designed with like longer beards in mind. Obviously it can work for stubbles as well. You just use less, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it's like a less greasy oil, it just kind of helps to control the beard and um, like make it a lot smoother, not as like wiry, which can often look a little bit unkept, which is totally fine. But if you want to look a bit more groomed, you can put the oil in it. And it, um, the smell goes after 20 minutes, so it doesn't disrupt your aftershave. Um, uh, the other thing I was going to say is it's probably, uh, uh, do, do, 
I'm, I'm assuming the majority of your your buyers are still female, but did you see any increase during any of the lockdowns? Because when people can't go to barbers and their hair gets very long, like like my own, uh, <laughs> did you see any increase then? Yeah, I think you know we've been making we've been making conscious effort to market more to men because I I really you know growing up in households of men, I very much like advocate for male self care and like that's something that my dad does like he does his grooming and stuff. So I really want that to be something that boys are now taking on upon themselves. Like it's not a matter of and I'm looking at you waking up in the morning, washing your face with water and then leaving the yard. Like you need to do more than that now. It's 2021. I don't know if you do that, <laughs> but at least integrate a hair oil or a beard oil into your routine because it's just so easy. Literally pump, rub, go. Um, I feel personally attacked. <laughs> no, 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 uh, yeah. no, to be fair, the only, the only, uh, the only thing I use is, is this, uh, Aveeno cream. Aveeno's really good. Yeah. I, uh, I got eczema a couple of years back, but it was the first time yeah. that like it happened, and um, it, and I was quite old to be fair. But um, uh, and I went to the doctor, and he basically prescribed me that. So I use that every day. Um, but that's the good. only the only thing I'll pretty much use. Only thing you need to do is <laughs> even SPF on your face as well. Like you know, sunscreen. You need to wear that every day, even if you're inside in the winter. What? Why? Why is that? Because UV can go through windows, and UV is the biggest factor that contributes to skin aging. Oh, okay. So you're going to get wrinkles. Oh. <laughs> oh, again, I feel personally attacked. It's <laughs> oh. <laughs> my number one thing I preach about is um, using SPF, other than hair oil, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, see, this is this is why uh, I'm interested in, in the science sort of thing, because you learn something new every day. Um, transitioning into sort of the businessy side of things, uh, you're a young South Asian female. And as you said before, your telephone voice is very uh, indicator of your age. Did you find any obstacles when you were setting up by Erem or in any business encounters thus far? Mm -hmm. You know what? I I, I just spoke about this, um, but I want to tell you because I think it's something that pissed me off because I don't have the solution to it yet. But and I don't know whether it was because I was a new business. I was a woman. I was South Asian or what? But when I. I was initially building a relationship with my a factory. He just did not take me seriously. And the thing is, is like manufacturing is a very old school thing. And I just think he really underestimated me. And I remember asking my dad, and this is before he was part of the business. It was that, it was that lovely one and a half years where I was doing it on my own. Um, I was like, dad, please like get on the phone to this guy. Like, I don't think he believes me. And my dad was like, nope, I do not know anything about this deal that you've got going on. I do not know anything about your hair oil. I'm not going to do it. You need to handle it. Since my dad has come on board, um, people take me very seriously. But I have to say, like my dad coming on board and the growth of the business has been very much in line. So it, it could be because now, you know, we're ordering larger quantities and money talks. Don't know. Yeah, it is a weird one. Again, I, um, going back to the Rabina podcast, um, I asked her the similar thing and she had similar interactions where people were sending her terms and conditions, but they were blurry. And she is a, she's a lawyer by trade. Um, and it's like, you know that she's a lawyer and you're mm. sending her blurry terms and conditions so you can probably slide something in. The, yeah, and it's like, you do the research, which is like, uh, and uh, as she has done and as you've done. And I think I'm just going to mirror what both of you have said. I think it is like an underestimating thing. Um, but it's it's credit where credit's due because I, th I don't know if it was yourself or her that said this previously, um, but if a man had done the same thing, there would be a much more like adulation behind it. 
Do you know what I mean? It wasn't me, but yeah, no, I get that. Mm. I think I think it might have been Rabina who said it in our conversation. Um, but she was like, it's, that's how she felt towards it. And like, obviously it mirrored in the solicitor world as well. And she'd had experiences mm. where people were undermining her because she was a female uh, South mm. Asian. And it's mm. like, it, I don't think any of that sh- stuff should be relevant nowadays do you know what I mean it's mm. basically on merit in my opinion anyway listen all the people that rejected her all the people that rejected me they're crying now you know look well, at look it. at me now like you should have believed in me from the start yeah 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 well that's it and, and as you said like it it's money talks do you know what I mean um and as your business grows and as it goes leaps and bounds they're, they're going to very much be regretting their decisions yeah and I hope that you know if another young South Asian girl approaches you know that supplier that like I was speaking to or, or someone of that sort they can be like oh damn last time I spoke to one of these little girls um you know she popped off so let me take this one seriously and if I have been able to indirectly open a door for another young girl that like looks like me in the sense that you know her um not looks like me physically but you know like on paper yeah. uh then thumbs up exactly yeah yeah exactly um what is the plan for by rm going forward is it is it more products or is it opening doors and to get into more retail spaces or mm-hmm. what is is it both is it everything is it conquering <laughs> the world <laughs> yeah you know what like you get the biggest margins when you're selling from your own store online you know mm-hmm. at the end of the day I don't have to give a cut to no one. And that's something that I would like to definitely do one day in terms of expanding the brand. I mean, that's something that I'm very open to, but my focus right now, you know, we only have, I think, eight people in our team. So I'm focusing on a lot of things at once, but my focus right now very much is expanding our product line because I think in order to be let into these stores, you need to have more than one product. (laughs) Kind of like looking at me right now, like sis, you got one thing to sell and nothing else. So I'm trying to start like a range. Um, The next thing that we're having is shampoo and conditioner. Um, It was meant to be a secret. And then I said it once in a live, so it's no longer a secret. So you must know. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. It's it's a again going back to the music parallel. It's it's a weird thing where like artists always say that first debut album is like an accumulation of their life so far. Like when you hear Eminem's first album, it's from being the white trash in quotes because that's what he said yeah, yeah. <laughs> before anybody like say, says uh, that I'm calling him white trash because he's not. He's one of the greatest of all time. But it's all that them years accumulated into one album, and the second one is so much harder because. You've you've spent ten about. yeah fifteen years on one thing, and then how do you progress in a short amount of time? Do you find that's the same with um, having your product? As in, you've spent so many years with your daddy formulating this perfect yeah. pro- product, and then going forward. So okay, so my next thing that I've got, and I've I've already did a mini launch, is the brush. And the thing is, is like you can inject your brand story into the product if you make the product personal to you. So for instance, the the hairbrush is made from wood. You know the ganga, the five yeah. case there you go so it's kind of like integrating that story into your new product you know the shampoo and conditioner I want it to have Bayerum inside it I want it to have maybe my daddy doesn't know words like Isolux and whatnot but like she can explain in the way that your ancestors or my ancestors could have told us that coal was good for our teeth she can explain that and then I have the science person who is not me (laughs) to come into the picture and understand that and apply it you know so definitely harder because this is I didn't make shampoos with my grandma in the kitchen I don't know if anyone else did but I didn't (laughs) but you can inject the story into it if you make the product reflective of that you know one thing I hate is when people start a business with no soul and now what I've noticed a lot of people are now catching up and they're like oh god I need to have a brand story and they're now trying to inject the soul into their business or a brand story I'm like sis you can't just make one up you know (laughs) yeah yeah three years into it like you gotta have had it to begin with 
yeah that's it and the most most of the successful stories are basically those who who do it for fun or for passion and then eventually it takes over anyway so if you're doing it for like for the for just monetary value and then yeah. trying to add all these layers and afterwards it's not going to work because people yeah. can see through authenticity which is one thing I really like about yourself so um as I said I, I've done my research and things uh and I've I've uh, went through your Instagram and you had like your picture with the i8 the other day uh your dad's i8 sorry and you were very transparent drink everyone into yeah no, no sorry <laughs> sorry specifically your dad's i8 because you you very openly said like this is my dad's. I just got the key to open it and sit in it, took the picture and then left, which is basically social media, but nobody ever says that's social media. Do you know what I mean? I just get scared. Like, I don't want no one to be like, oh, there she is posing in her dance car. Like, let me say it first mm-hmm. before you say it, because that's the truth of the matter. And like, you're not going to catch me driving around in it. You're going to catch me driving around in my car. So yeah. like, let me not fool you. You know, my biggest fear is that someone's going to say like, she's catfish. You know, so mm. I'm just like, let me be as real as I possibly can, the good and the bad. And hopefully if you do see me, not even physically, but like personality wise or like the things I have, you know, I'm not holding my friend's handbag. I'm holding my handbag. When you see me out and about, I'm going to be holding that handbag. Because yeah. um, often, you, you know, like there's there's Instagram and there's reality. And I understand there's always going to be a difference, but trying to mediate that difference, I think, and I know you're going to touch on this later, but it is so much better for your mental health than trying mm-hmm. to keep up like a facade. of what people perceive you to be online like just just be you be honest it's sustainability you can't be fake forever do you know what I mean you have to if you want to do it long term then you have to be yourself which is it's not just on your Instagram though it's across all your platforms I was watching a few uh YouTube videos that you're quite active on there as well and I think it was like um uh an assumptions video where you said like some I think somebody asked you about plastic surgery if you had lip fillers and you Mm -hmm. quite honestly said no I don't but in the future if anything is here or there, I might experiment, which is like, it's refreshing to hear because you're not saying like, no, no, I'm, I'm a hundred percent natural and I'm never going to do any of this because I'm, I'm perfect sort of thing. You know what I mean? Which is what some people do. Is this isolating? If one of my followers is watching and they have lip fillers, I don't want to ever make her feel bad about it because she could have done it for whatever reason she wanted. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. But I understand people have different stances on plastic surgery. I just don't want to be that person that's like, no, I never want to get it. And then I get it, you know? So let yeah, me just yeah. caveat it for the future. So if anyone's like, says anything, I can be like, well, I did say if I wanted it, I get it. But I do try my hardest at this age. I do kind of want to advocate for natural beauty. And obviously, you know I do wear makeup you know I straighten my hair and all these types of things but I do want there to be a face on Instagram that moves how it's meant to move naturally and to embrace the like imperfections that come along with having your face like that because at the end of the day that's how God made you but if you do want to change something honestly it is your decision like I really honestly one of my friends got lit full of the other day and I was like clapping I was like I'm so happy you've done it like you were talking about it for so long like you're so brave blah 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 um so yeah, it's just everyone's own personal journey. And I don't think any of us are here to judge each other for whatever they decide to do. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it in a judgy way towards plastic surgery. Because no, no, no. I, I meant it on, in a way that like you were quite transparent in your views. Um, again, yeah. don't want to be cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> um, and You're putting it out there, mate. I know, I know. I'm, I'm, saying this, I'm saying this so much. One day someone's going to look back and say, you said this. <laughs> uh, touch wood. Touch wood. That's the scary thing, though. Um, and a lot of influencers talk about it now is like cancel culture. And I think one of the things that is really important to me is, is people understanding you to be not just like a Barbie cutout online, but like a 3D figure. 
that makes mm -hmm. mistakes, that, that says the wrong thing. Because in real life, like offline, we all say the wrong things and we all do the wrong things. So yeah. having that understanding that just because you're not posting your failures, it doesn't mean that you're failureless. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you have to have failures to go on to have successes afterwards anyway. Yeah. Um, and it is scary. Like if you have like, if anybody recorded the conversation that you have with your friends, you most of the world would be cancelled. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's one of them hypocritical double standard sort of things. Um, and then because we're on the topic of social media, like how how important like do you feel any pressure because you you have beautiful hair obviously you are an embodiment of your brand do you feel the pressure that you can't have a quote-unquote bad hair day because you are like a walking billboard <laughs> that is such a funny question I've actually never thought of it like that no I posted my natural hair like literally yesterday on my feed you know the thing is like my hair's very long so it kind of just like, if it is looking bad, it just drags it down. So it just looks <laughs> kind of a bit bushy. Yeah. I'm sure if I had shorter hair, it would frizz up a little bit. But um, I think that's beautiful too. Like, yeah. I just think natural hair, I wish I could embrace my natural hair a little bit better. Um, but no, sis has got good over the years for managing my hair and styling it in all sorts of different ways. So I can more or less contain it if it's a bad hair day, but I don't mind either way. <laughs> yeah, because it is probably like your success on your personal um instagram is very much tied with your business instagram because like you are that you are the brand is, your name yeah. is in there do you know what I mean yeah. um that's why I asked that because there's like as I said uh, a couple of episodes ago is Adam Collard um he was on Love Island and his sole purpose for going there was to basically further his personal training career so he went in there as a walking billboard people will look at his mm -hmm. abs and say I want that so I'm going to get personal trained by him um, and that's like, that's the okay. reason, reason I asked the question. Yeah. Um, and how, how do you sort of cope with the amount of followers, like positive and negative? Because obviously you do have a very tight knit community um, and I'm not going to touch on the negative side, but like, how do you remain very personal with everybody? Mm. So what I have to say, and I, and I, 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 in some ways admire, in more ways pity people who, not pity, but I feel sorry for people who grow in following real fast, especially at a young age. Like, listen, let me say, you know, if sis was walking around uni campus with 200K followers, I'd not be the same person, <laughs> but like I wasn't. And the thing is it grew really, really naturally, you know, over mm -hmm. the last three years, I think the growth rate has been pretty much consistent for the last few years and touch wood, why are you just now? I'm like, I think having that just small everyday change contributes to you understanding how to manage that it's not like i went to sleep one night with 10k woke up the next day with 10 million k okay you know what i mean maths was yeah. a thing i did but 10 million <laughs> um i think that definitely helps you to to navigate and find your footing in the world um because it can get intimidating if you think about the if you think about 200 people 200,000 people in a room and if I yeah. had to do a speech in front of all those people like, that would be so scary but when you think about it every day like okay I know a hundred of them now I've got 101k okay now I know 101k now I've got 102k it feels like they're my friends and they know me and yeah. they probably don't they probably don't really care but like I care about them <laughs> <laughs> yeah I use that example all the time um, with, with numbers on social media because some of them are unfathomable. But like Newcastle Stadium is known to be like one of the best atmospheres for like football, uh, St. James's, and it's got 55,000 people. When you're in there, like it's a massive amount of people, the noise they make, 55,000 likes on a video or like on Instagram is nothing. Whereas you see like 
uh, to relatively speaking like to no, 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 completely, you know I mean? like completely, if you completely. if you want to build Gide Instagram you know what I mean and it's millions of millions I love how that was the first example of a famous <laughs> person <laughs> not like Kim Kardashian or Kylie Jenner build Gide this we're a culture culture cast podcast we need to say relevant you know what I mean to, we need to talk about the people that people are going to know but if like here's a million millions and if you imagine like 10 St. James's Parks it's it's crazy to think of yeah yeah and I think we lose sight of that I think a lot of people when they get a huge following and you know some people don't ask to be a role model but then when you are being seen by like you said 10 what's James St. James's is 55,000 10 St. James's Parks like and you think about the impact and the influence that you have on those people like you've got to remember that there's that one follower equals one human being you know have responsibility for that Unless it's these Russian bots or something that some of the Instagram pages are built on. <laughs> but again, we'll not They're talk about that. so <laughs> creepy. Yeah. They're so creepy. I follow, do you follow Little Michaela? Um, no, I, I don't know who that is. I think it's an American one. It's ru- ugh, really scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we're seeing it with this farmer's protest recently as well. Like some mm-hmm. of the, the hashtags and mm-hmm. the images that were coming up with the Sikh hashtag. I don't want to say it again because it's disgusting. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but um, them, it's, it's completely messed up completely yeah. they said that it's because the turkish word for intercourse is the same i don't think that's true i yeah, think why if we're getting very conspiratorial then it's probably um backed by someone or some uh entity if we're not getting conspiratorial and we're thinking of algorithms that you probably know of i think it's probably that that hashtag was probably trending at a much higher rate than it normally does so then bots jump on the trend and try to use that as well. I think that excuse is, uh, I, I, I don't know if it's true or false, but I, I don't what think they said it. on Twitter. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel, find that hard to believe. Yeah. Um, so as, as we've spoke about mental health and similar issues before, uh, how do you try to keep your social media space uh, positive? okay so like I think it's important when you're on social media as a brand or an influencer you've got to think about the customer experience I always picture my stories popping up amongst many in someone's story feed you know when you just keep on tapping 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 I want it to be that when you land on my story you know a lot of people just tap and they skip people's stories I want it to be when you land on my story it makes you feel good so I try and integrate um affirmations into my stories so you know you click on it you feel good for a second instead of just mindless clicking because that's really bad for you I try and do I, I forget all the time I need a good reminder from someone every day but keeping the camera on something for 15 seconds be it like water or rain in the window or just kind of like the view from a car and say, do 15 seconds of deep breathing whilst this video plays, just so someone is kind of taken out of the zone of just like click, 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 you know? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I, I personally do exercise. I only work out once or twice a week. I think I've randomly been branded as like a workout girl. Right. I don't know why, but everyone always <laughs> asks me about it. And I'm like, I do it once or twice. Like, <laughs> I don't do a lot, but in any way that I can kind of like encourage like positive behaviors, be it like cooking at home or journaling. I really got into journaling recently. I definitely think it's a good thing. If you haven't tried it, I was so adverse to it because I have really bad handwriting and it just upset me that I had bad handwriting because I like didn't develop good handwriting, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started and having that kind of like free flow of writing that no one else is going to read and you can write anything. It's very therapeutic. And I try and like, when I do it in the evenings, I try and take a little pic if I'm in the mood and share with people um, to inspire them maybe. Yeah. Or they're just like, this girl's bloody writing in her diary again, I'm shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I, I think um, 
what you do is really good to be fair like I, I've seen a few times uh, over the past couple of days uh, in anticipation for the, the podcast every morning you put Wahiguru on your story as well which I think is really good because a lot of people their first thought in the morning is oh let's yeah. go check on Instagram but then yeah. when, when you go check on Instagram and the first thing you see is Wahiguru it's more like a reminder like get off your phone and go do some yeah. part or meditate and that's the thing that was my first thought for a long time and then I thought let me be held publicly accountable to my followers who get mad at me if I don't put, not get mad, you know, but they're like, Sissy, you're okay. So now I, I automatically say that. And it really is about that habit. And like you're saying, someone who might have instinctively checked Instagram, the first thing they see is Wahiguru. Hopefully that can kind of change into at least switching the other way around. So it goes Wahiguru, then Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is how it should be. Yeah, Wahiguru first and then Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's one of them things where like we were speaking before about the sort of... um oils and like Chaldean things again meditation is something that's obviously in our religion for um well from its inception uh, 400 years ago 500 years ago yeah um I was gonna get slated there if I didn't say that right um yeah yeah cheers for my back there Uh, and again it's one of them things where like modern technology is now finally catching up with all these traditional things that we were doing so so long ago um, I've really enjoyed this, to be honest. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And at the end of every single podcast, I ask every uh, guest the same five questions. So they're, they're fairly quick fire. So just whatever comes to your, your mind first. Um, but they're also quite deep. So they might they might take you back a tiny bit as well. <laughs> so to try and get that balance. <laughs> so number one is, what are you most proud of? Okay, it's two things. This is graduating uh with the first because I really didn't think I was gonna get first and my baba was wearing his bug in the front row with my dad and I was wearing my Asian outfit and the number two it was uh we hit seven figures in the business and I was at my daddy baba's house when it happened they didn't really know what I was talking about they were like <laughs> okay and I was like it's a good thing <laughs> that's sick that's very good um what are you most looking forward to um in the business world or in the errand world do an answer for each or both anything anything that pops I, in your mind. I'm really enjoying where my like Instagram is going at the moment. Like I'm having a lot of fun because um I'm working with different brands and I feel really legit. Like I walk down the high street and I'm like, ah, I worked with Topshop, I worked with HM, and I just feel like it's very validating for little Aaron, you know, who could not afford Topshop. Let me make that very <laughs> clear. And now I'm like, they're giving me clothes and they're paying me, didn't they? You know. <laughs> um, what is your biggest inspiration? my dad I think he knew I was going to say that <laughs> yeah um number four <laughs> number four is what is your definition of success I think is when your family don't have to worry about nothing and I know that that indicates money um, and I think that does play a role but I think it's just when when you've managed to work out a way to let all your worries go and that doesn't mean pay off your worries it doesn't mean fix your problems it just means you'll get to a point where it doesn't matter like you're happy regardless, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, I understand that. I think a lot of people shy away from saying like monetary um, sort of things are an influence, but it's it's important in this world. And to, for the, the way that you phrased it as saying like your family uh, doesn't have to worry is actually like more to their happiness makes you happy is how I perceive that. So, mm, yeah, yeah. And just kind of like, because I think about Sikhi and it's like, um, 
that it says like Guruji will absolve all your worries and he's not saying he'll give you money you know but like mm. he absolves all your worries so it's like when you got to a point where like you're just like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if I'm in debt or it doesn't matter or if I'm being sued you know it's just kind of like I'm happy regardless yeah and last but not least because it is the culture cast podcast how has your culture affected you this far uh, you know, I grew up in a very kind of like a multicultural uh, like area, but it wasn't like I mentioned like South Asian. So I don't think my culture affected me that much until I went to uni. But I think my religion definitely has influenced the person I am today. And that's the side of um, me that I lean into more versus the Punjabi culture, which I think can be very contradicting to the Sikh principles. Does that make sense? Hundred percent. That's why uh, I don't want to name this podcast anything to do with the religion side of things because I feel like the religion is what um, it was supposed to be, and the culture is what flawed individuals have made it. Um, it's it's always going to be very different, but I, I do think that every culture has got its benefits and drawbacks. But it's it's knowing about so many different cultures and absorbing all this like sort of multiculturalism, uh, which is which is really cool. Like your individual culture is not just like the Sikh here, the South Asian, as you said, you, you grew around London. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 100%. It's all of that has contributed to make you who you are today, which is, um, which is why I like talking to so many different people about the cultures. Um, yeah. Again, I, I really thank you for your time today. Um, is there anything that you want to say like at the end or anything? No, or? I just want to say thank you. This was a really fun podcast. You're very good at interviewing. So well done to yourself. And I'm very honored that you picked me to be on here. So thank you again. Um, and then if anyone wanted to follow me, it's just Aaron. Yeah, all of your links will be in the description below, whether that be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, the, the works. Uh, but as I say, you're killing the Instagram game, so they'll probably follow you on socials and not me. So follow <laughs> me as well. <laughs>